When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, it helps if you point. But there we go. Helps if you point the mic at your face. Uh, hey guys, Carrie Murdoch, uh, Sooner Scoop Podcast. We did not do a full team podcast this week. Uh, instead, the boys kind of run around. Josh is getting ready to go to All American Game. Eddie and I getting ready to uh, head to New Orleans today. Uh, so I did catch up with JG Tate, who is the publisher of our Auburn site on Rivals, AuburnSports.com. Uh, to get his take on uh, the Sugar Bowl, what's going to go on. We're going to talk to him down there a little bit. Eddie and I are going to try and give you some extra podcasts from New Orleans as well. Uh, who knows? We may even drink one night and just do a podcast. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, it could be really interesting. But did catch up with J.G. Tate from AuburnSports.com. And uh, first off, he started talking about uh, Auburn fans' excitement about playing Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. So here is uh, the publisher of AuburnSports.com and myself, Gary Murdoch, uh, with a little Sugar Bowl preview podcast for you. Uh, in New Orleans, it's not too far away for the Auburn folks. I can get down there from my house in about five and a half hours or something like that. So they're pretty stoked. Uh, most folks are pretty stoked about Bourbon Street. It's a good scene, or at least I think it is. So it's a good trip, and I think people are excited about it. Oklahoma, I see them as a very good team. I think most Auburn people do too. In fact, I think most reasonable Auburn fans see this as a very difficult game, uh, a game where they're going down there kind of hoping to win, would, would like to see a win, but they don't go down there thinking, ah, oh, we're going to get this one. Mm, yummy. I think it's uh, Oklahoma's tough, man. That, uh, so that you're saying that there's not the uh, the SEC, uh, I'm trying to think of the right way to put it, so I don't offend any Auburn fans listening, but that that I guess that stereotypical SEC fan is, oh, we're better than everybody, and we're just, they're just yeah. ants under our boots. I think that's a fair stereotype of Bammers, uh, but Auburn people, I think, have been pretty realistic this year. Because I, I think Auburn came into the season uh, with high expectations, got deflated very early, uh, and then they got better as the season went on. And everybody's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll take a Sugar Bowl. After what it looked like early on, the Sugar Bowl was a major accomplishment. But I don't think most Auburn people go into the game thinking, oh, we're going to win this one. Oklahoma going to wipe them up. I, I just don't think that. I think Auburn people are realistic about this team. and. Uh, it's limitations. I think they have some really good stuff at Auburn, but they've also got some big question marks. And I think this matchup uh, focuses on on some interesting stuff. I mean, Oklahoma, uh, that RPO thing, that has been like kryptonite to this Auburn defense. Auburn can handle pretty much everything but RPO. Hmm. And so Oklahoma Which is has odd nice because defense. they can face that in practice all they want. Well, I mean, Auburn, yeah, exactly. Oklahoma's as good as it gets, I think, as far as RPO goes. But when Auburn plays, say, Texas A&M, uh, they had trouble there. They played uh, Ole Miss, which I think, from my perspective, Oklahoma and Ole Miss look a lot alike. Offensively, Oklahoma has better personnel, but I think it's the same basic concept, man. Ole Miss wore them out. And if it hadn't been for a really bad offensive line, I think Ole Miss would have won that game, and Auburn has some good pass rushers. So I think uh, Oklahoma's offense plays into Auburn's uh, defense's weaknesses. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And then Auburn, on the other side, I mean, Sean White was out. And they absolutely shipwrecked with him uh, out on the, on the sideline. He hurt his shoulder in the Ole Miss game. So they were a mess late in the season. He's back, allegedly. Uh, so at that point, you think that offense is pretty good. 
and I'd like to see what it can do against Oklahoma's defense. So it's an intri- it's an intriguing game, and I think it's going to be a good trip for Auburn folks. I think a lot of people are going to be going and uh, enjoying it. Let me reset. Uh, J.G. Tate is our guest uh, from AuburnSports.com. I, I'll be honest, uh, Jay, I scheduled this later in the evening, uh, this podcast between us, because I spent the last few days with family. Uh, I've had a lot of, you know, uh, at my radio station, a lot of people are on vacation as soon as the season ends or, you know, they just go on Christmas holiday vacations. So I've been doing some extra work there. Really, the only reason I scheduled this so late in the evening was just to make sure I didn't day drink today. Oh, Okay. I have that same problem myself I need, lately. I, I need a little break. Uh, you know, Papa needs a little time off. So now we're we're both. I think both heading tomorrow when this is out. We'll we'll be heading to uh, New Orleans. That is correct. If you're going, I'm going for sure tomorrow. Uh, I will see you there along with uh, Eddie Radosovich. Uh, I'm sure you've met Eddie before, haven't you? Our, our video guy. I know Josh. Uh, I don't know if I've met Eddie though. So you don't usually um, forget Eddie when you meet him. Yeah, I, he kind of has that personality. It reading the board and stuff he seems like kind of a fun guy I'm looking forward to it man <laughs> i just hope that the bowl gift i'm really hoping that the media bowl gift are yeah. one of those uh military grade flashlights that you can blind people with i haven't gotten <laughs> one of those yet i need some luggage man so that's what i'm pulling for i uh, still but, use my fiesta bowl luggage that i have like yeah, me too, right? my wheels fell off from the uh 2001 uh sorry 2011 game my wheels fell off like two weeks ago man so this is a perfect time for me to get a rolling bag just saying if you're listening, Sugar Bowl, which we know that you probably are because we're going to hashtag you all over this podcast. Uh, Please, no more shirts. Please, no. Yeah. I remember the national championship game uh, in uh, in Miami when OU played Florida. They gave us the, you know, fat guy uh, Bahama shirt. <laughs> no, really? Yeah, and it was terrible. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm. Ne- it was like it was like green. I was like. I'm never going to wear this, and I won't say the name of the person that did it, but at dinner that night, one of the media members came down wearing that immediately. Oh, God. And it was Tim Griffin from the San Antonio News Express. Hmm. Um, but I've never seen anybody wear that shirt since. I did get one shirt. When OU played LSU, one of the worst experiences I've ever been through. See, like Alabama or Auburn fans will never... I'll just tell you this, Jay. Auburn fans have a really, uh, really long leash when it comes to fan behavior on Bourbon Street. Because okay. any OU fan that went in 2004, when Nick Saban was the coach and they played LSU, it was a harrowing experience just walking down the street with those people. They were awful. Yeah, I hear you, man. Is uh, that your experience is, is covering Auburn when you are around LSU fans that they're just awful people? Uh, no, that's usually Alabama for me. But uh, LSU people drink a lot. And my experience is, well, with the exception of one trip down there, my experience with the LSU people are, are good. Uh, I generally like them, um, again, compared to Alabama people. Is it just in their nature to walk right up into your face and scream tiger bait? Yes. But that's kind of an SEC thing. Not necessarily tiger bait, but just to kind of be that way. Auburn folks in general, I think they have a reputation for being a little more classy than that. Uh, I don't necessarily see a lot of that at Auburn, but uh, there's other places we go. Here's the thing, man. In 2001, the hurricane uh, that came through and just demolished. Oh, it might have been 05. I, I, the years get away from me. Anyway, uh, the game Auburn at LSU was rescheduled because of a natural disaster. They have one down there like every five years. It sucks. Mm-hmm. So Auburn's game against LSU was moved to December, and it turned out that Auburn was really good and LSU was really good. So they played for a trip to Atlanta in Baton Rouge in December. You know, loser leaves town, winner goes to Atlanta. 
dude, it was like Beirut. Uh, I mean, I, I was mooned by Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> the the bus was rocked. Uh, man, it was crazy. The Tiger Tail bus, which is like a big fan thing. It's like a VW bus. It's all painted yeah. up like Auburn. It plays Auburn songs. Dude, it was torched to the ground. Holy crap. It was crap. on fire, dude. I mean, it really was like Beirut. I will never forget it. Uh, but since then, LSU's been pretty good to me. Now, okay, back to this matchup. I, I will say this, Jay. I, I don't know how much of Oklahoma you've gotten to watch this year or how much of the Big 12 in general. But I really think that there is no comparing what Oklahoma is going to face with that front seven, front four, whatever you want to call it for Auburn, as opposed to what they've faced so far this year. And I'd even go so far as to say it would be up there with Ohio State in terms of just raw physical power and talent up front on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, the only game I watched of Oklahoma's really from start to finish or close to it was the Texas Tech game. I saw a lot of that oh, game. and God, I know Why would you watch that? I mean, I don't know. It was just on. And like I said, I kind of like OU. And it was kind of weird to watch that because I don't watch a lot of Big 12 football, and it's a lot different, um, particularly defensively. I would say that, though, that that is one of the worst representations I know. of football. I know. That e- Even in the Big 12, where scoring is ridiculous, that game was, I would say, a career low light for me to cover personally. It was just embarrassing. Uh, Texas Tech's defense. I don't know who's coaching those kids, but geez. <laughs> Your defensive lineman can't just stand straight up and then try to push their way forward. That's not going to work, and it didn't work. There's uh, that. that- that, that wouldn't work in the SEC at all. I will say this: like, I remember watching Michigan and Ohio State, and just thinking, "Good God, those are two teams that really are physical and play, especially in the secondary." Like, you just in the SEC is kind of the same way, but the Big Twelve, you just forget if all you watch is Big Twelve football, you forget that there are safeties, except for maybe at West Virginia, who I think is pretty good at times, but you forget that there are sa- safeties and defensive backs that will knock the ever-living shit out of you. And, like, you just don't ever see that in the Big 12. Not as much, no. And, and Auburn has a few guys like that, not necessarily safety, but uh, it does get physical, that's for sure. Now, injury front, I'll just kind of go over, you know, Oklahoma has been relatively healthy. One of their big targets, Mark Andrews, uh, I finally got him to admit kind of that he had a, a shoulder, a, a separated shoulder uh, since that Texas Tech game. Uh, and he really has it. It's been, you know, he he ended up being all Big 12 uh, first team. And you're kind of like, really? Did he deserve that with the season they had? Because his expectations for him were so high. But he hadn't been a big part of the offense. That'll be something I think that Auburn maybe hasn't seen in the last month and a half of the season that could be a factor in that game. Uh, of yeah. course, you know about D.D. Westbrook. He's, you know, he had the concussion against Oklahoma State. He'll be back from that and is already back from that. But outside of that, you know, Oklahoma comes into this game about as healthy uh, as they've been all season. I, and I know I, I, the only time I've heard from Gus Malzahn so far, and OU, you can, we can get into this, but OU hasn't had a whole lot of media because of the Joe Mixon stuff. Uh, so, you know, there really hasn't been a whole lot of time to talk about Auburn. In fact, we haven't talked to the players since they started putting in their game plan for Auburn because they were going through finals last time we talked to them. Yeah. Uh, but like Gus Malzahn, the only time I heard him talk was in the Fiesta Bowl press conference, which I know you were on that. That was a disaster with uh, Bob Stoops in the helicopter. Yeah, that, the chopper thing killed me, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a lot of get him to the chopper stuff on the radio the next day. Um, so, but 
I mean, he was talking about you know how banged up Auburn had been. It sounds like they're going to be kind of a different team in a lot of ways going in this bowl game. Yeah, I mean, some of the really important guys uh, that they had to have got knocked out uh, late in the season, and it really messed them up. I mean, the quarterback, Sean White, got a shoulder injury against uh, Ole Miss, which I think was right around Halloween. And then he tried to play on it, and he just made it worse. And then they just had to bench him. And then they tried to put him in against Georgia, and it was a disaster. And they wouldn't take him out, and he just killed him because he couldn't play. Dude, the way they managed Sean White late in the season just blows my mind. I don't know what they were thinking, but they don't have anybody behind him. That's the big criticism here at Auburn. That's what Auburn people can't understand. Is you've got this offense, right? I mean, everybody knows Gus Malzahn runs this offense. Produced Cam score. Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton. Nick Marshall was a great player. Got them to the national championship game. And then they all they've got is this Sean White dude. And he can play, but he's not a runner. And he fell into their lap. Like, the only reason they have him is because he just kind of landed on him. Like, they didn't really go. They were going after other guys, and they ran across him. And they lose a lot of recruiting battles, and they just aren't where they need to be quarterback-wise. Well, they just got over that because they got Jarrett Stidham uh, from Baylor. And, and they he's think good, yeah. Yeah, he's good. And they know him, and he's been running this kind of system his whole life. So it's going to be a nice fit. But they just got him. He's not going to be a factor in this game. So uh, Sean White's going to go into it presumably near 100%. I'm skeptical, but uh, that's the word. And if he is 100%, that helps a lot. But he's not a runner. He just He's a good guy that can pitch and catch inside of 15 yards. And that's usually enough to kind of back defenses away from the running game because Cam Petway is a man. Uh, he's a very difficult guy to bring down. Yeah. And they, uh, they, they just punish you, man. That offensive line can really hit. And that's the way they do things. Now, in the secondary, you had uh, Auburn had a lot of guys that were banged up too. To, I think I heard Malzahn talking about that maybe. Yeah, just some nicked up guys. I mean, I don't think anything real serious. Uh, they have like a 10th year senior who got banged up a little bit in the Iron Bowl. Joshua Holsey is going to be back. Uh, he didn't play as much in the Iron Bowl because he got knocked out a little bit. But he's fine now. And uh, Carlton Davis, who was really good, he's a sophomore this year. Uh, he got nicked up a little bit in the Iron Bowl. But I think injury-wise, they're pretty good on defense. They lost a defensive lineman, but he was like a second-slash-third teamer. Uh, Devereaux Lawrence had a knee injury in the Iron Bowl, so he's out for the game. And then Byron Cowart, who's a five-star guy a couple years ago. I think he was the number one player, uh, according to Rivals.com. Overall, he's back after appendicitis. He actually missed the Iron Bowl. So they lose one, gain one, if you look at it that way. Their first team defensive line is really good. And they're healthy and they're ready to go. It's the second team where it gets a little dicey. But uh, those first team guys will play a lot of snaps against OU, I would think. Yeah, and and, and J.G. Tate, our guest joining us from AuburnSports.com, part of the Rivals Network, uh, and Jay, I I just think the biggest mismatch in this game is probably OU's defensive front against you know the power game of Auburn because, like you said, offensively they haven't been what they want to to, to be this year. Uh, but I mean, I they they can run the ball though, can't they? Oh yeah, I mean they were leading the SEC in rushing for a while, and and that's what they do, man. That's that's my, Gus Malzahn's number one thing is. It's really a smash-mouth spread with pace is what he likes to do. And if they're not running the ball, they're toast. So they'll dedicate, you know, 40 or 50 carries uh, a game to the running game. And they, they really simplified things this year. They really only run about four plays now running. But they run it out of different formations and different directions and different motions and all that kind of stuff. But they, they love pulling guards. They love accentuating an A or a B gap and just pulling guys through it and just knocking you off the ball. And they have some really good guards uh, some one guy's just really big and he's just kind of a Hulk. Uh, and the other guy's been playing a really long time. He's actually part of the 2013 national championship, uh, whatever semifinalist or finalist team. He's been really good all these years. So, and they're experienced and they're big up there. 
they're just kind of so-so at tackle. I think their pass pro is not great. But when it comes to run blocking, man, they've got dudes. They're second-team guys. They can block, too. Uh, they will just keep running at you. And again, Cam Petway, their ace tailback, he's probably 240 pounds. He was an H-back last year, kind of a blocker. Again, that's one of the things these Auburn people can't understand. They have no backups at quarterback who can help them. And then Cam Petway was a fullback last year. He's their best tailback now. I would argue he's probably the best tailback in the league. And he was a fullback to start the season, dude, in the Clemson game, uh, the first game of the year for Auburn. He didn't even play. Just coach's decision didn't need him. You know what's amazing is, is we've seen this trend a little bit in the Big 12. Uh, but you have these these spread, no-huddle offenses. And I brought this up to Bob Stoops, and he really, you know, it was kind of one of those things. He really didn't want to put too much thought into it. But you look at Texas. I mean, they were, they're were they running, you know, Baylor's offense, Art Bryles' old offense. But they're still a spread-you-out team, uh, single back a lot of times. Oh, and, and Deontay Foreman had a fantastic year. Huge running back in that system. Oklahoma, Samaj P. Ryan. Huge running back, you know, in a spread, you know, sometimes empty set formation, uh, but no huddle. And now you see Auburn having that. I just think you're going to see more teams in college start to kind of catch on to this big back spread offense type type system that we've seen this year. Yeah, if you've got the lineman, man. And it just depends on the league, I guess. In the SEC, you've got to have guards uh, to kind of help you at the point of attack because the defensive linemen are so good. I don't know what the paradigm is. In the Big 12, as far as running the football, because I just don't watch enough of it. But uh, you're right, P. Ryan's a guy that I noticed when they played Tennessee, uh, I guess, last year. Man, he's good. Um, he could definitely play in this league. Everybody liked to have him. So, And Mixon, too. Uh, he's really good. So, Auburn's got another guy, like their 1A back. is a guy named Carryon Johnson. A uh, little quicker, a uh, little longer, maybe. Not as big. Uh, he's been pretty good, but he, he took a high ankle sprain uh, middle of the season. And see... They, with Cam Petway getting banged up, uh, there was only one tailback left, and so Carrion's basically playing on a high ankle sprain. He needed two weeks off, and he just didn't have it because there was nobody else. Let me he ask you this, because the only thing, we talked about it a lot kind of toward the beginning of the season, but uh, John Franklin III. Yeah. I mean, because we were all last chance U fans. What is his? I mean, what has been his reception? I, I know he was kind of, like you said, they've struggled in the quarterback thing. I don't know if that became a oh, well, you'll take anybody when you got the kid because I just found it fascinating to see that kid. I was like, what college is that kid going to wind up in where he was on camera calling his offensive coordinator a dumb F? Yeah, right. I mean, what kind of kid has he been? How much have you got a chance to get to know him or talk to him or anything like that? Yeah, I, I like him. I like John. Uh, he is pretty much as he is on the show. I mean, if, if you've watched uh, Last Chance You. I think it's a pretty good snapshot of who he is. He's very cocky, very you know sure of himself. But a lot of those kids from South Florida are like that. I don't look at it as a you know a personality fault or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, just go watch a one on one rivals uh, camp from Miami. Mm. Those kids trying to kill it. I mean, I think they start every move with one guy punching another guy. Yeah, it's rough down there. It can be. And the guys <laughs> Auburn gets a lot of kids from that in that area, and they're always hyper competitive. I mean, really into it. So John's like that. He just can't pass. I mean, I don't know what else yeah. to tell you. Uh, they put him in the iron bowl, and he actually completed some deep balls. Couldn't believe it. But uh, he's just not much of a passer, and I, I think sometimes he just gets – I mean, like he's playing – okay, A&M. They put him in against A&M for a shot in the arm. It's fourth and seven, last drive of the game, and he runs out of bounds five yards downfield. All right, it's fourth down. Yeah. He runs out of bounds, like willfully. Um, you're just like, dude, no. This is not going to – this is not good enough. 
Which, uh, like you said, you could almost predict he would be that type of a player just from watching Last Chance U. Here's the thing that just makes my head I, I just melt down. Okay, so they were they needed a quarterback. We talked about that earlier. They needed at least a second quarterback, if not the guy to actually win the job. They're looking at John Franklin, who is what he is, and Gerard Evans, who ended up going to Virginia Tech, and he was really good. I mean, if you guys had a chance to see him, he's a runner, he's a passer. Yeah, he's, he's really made, good, yeah. They had that six-foot-seven receiver over there. Yeah, he's good. Well, he wants to go to Auburn, and it's between John Franklin and Gerard Evans, and they ended up going with Franklin. Like, when they made that decision before signing day, Gerard's like, whoa, what happened? I thought I was going to Auburn. So they made a decision to go to John Franklin III, and he ends up stinking. I mean, I think he's an okay change of pace back because he is really fast in a straight line, and I Mm -hmm. think he can help them in that way. They run some cool little, like, wildcat-type stuff for him that has been effective. But, dude, as a full-time starter, I don't think he can do it. And I think that was a mistake. If they could have gotten Gerard Evans, and I really think they could have, they might have been an even better team this year. How um, much have uh, how much is is Bob Stoops past and in, in his history with kind of poking the SEC resonated with fans when they heard that this was a matchup? Not much. I I just wonder if people even remember. I remember because I was just getting on the beat in the SEC when Stoops was at Florida doing a great job, and the idea then was that he would end up at Iowa and just kind of stay there for a long time. And he's done exactly what I thought he would do at Iowa, at Oklahoma. I mean, he's gone there and been really good for a long, long time. I think a lot of people here have just forgotten that he was at Florida, even though he was so good there. Uh, one of the best assistants that I've ever seen in this league. So uh, he certainly has my respect, and I think the smart, older fans remember him and uh, respect him. But, uh, I but think there's, no, there's, there's no real, you know, and what I'm speaking of is, you know, a few years ago when the SEC had won like six or seven in a row, somebody asked him in the preseason, like, well, yeah, the top's really good, but look at the bottom half. They're just as bad as everybody. I mean, and that got – and maybe that was just the Alabama fans that were freaking out about it or whatever, but because they freak out about everything. By the they way, do. I have had Phyllis from Mulga on our radio show before. She's a delight. She is. She's, she's a fine representative of the state. <laughs> you know, she's the only person on Twitter that I allow – to stay in my timeline that just puts political craziness on Twitter. Like, usually that's reserved for Facebook. But Phyllis yeah, goes all in on Twitter with the crazy political stuff. You got to let her go. You just got to let her go and, and be what she is. She's no, I don't feel like people are angry around here about Stoops. Uh, aside from the mixing thing, but that's a whole different thing. And I think everybody just has their own little soapbox thing. They want to go on about that. You think that's just kind of like talking heads, radio guys looking for a hot take around there? Or is there, you think fans generally dislike Joe Mixon? I, I don't know if I can. I just don't know enough about it. I mean, I don't know. I haven't really polled enough people. I mean, I don't think anyone's in favor of uh, that kind of violence. But Well, no, you shouldn't be. You're a horrible person if you are. Well, some people on Twitter, you know how they go. But Depends on. I well, think, if he's scoring sure. touchdowns for you, you're more likely to you know, forgive, basically, is what I've learned from this whole thing. That's I think that's what we've learned. Yes, and and it's not exclusive to Oklahoma because if it would if it had happened at Auburn or happened at Alabama or Texas, I mean, the fans want their touchdown makers and they will go to any lengths to keep them. That's we've seen this college before. football. The SEC is not allergic to this concept. Uh, maybe not as far as the violence shown by Joe Mixon on tape, but I mean Auburn. Look, Cam Newton was kicked out of Florida, and uh, you know he he was rec- he was a reclamation project at Auburn. Let's put it that way. And then Nick Marshall, who got Auburn to the national championship game in 13, he was kicked out of Georgia uh, for, I guess you would call it a white-collar crime. They were like, 
doing stuff with their money or their allotment, their tuition allotment or books or something like that. So uh, Auburn fans know a little something about uh, second chances or whatever. Uh, just not necessarily involving uh, domestic violence at this in this in this era. You well, know? And here's one thing, and I get the point. What people have been upset about is uh, the kid at Mississippi State. You know, they got a one game suspension. He was on tape punching a woman. Yeah, I saw that when it was bad. And none of it's good. I'm not. I'm not excusing Joe Mixon. I mean, it, what he did was terrible at the time. I said, you know, he, if he's not on this team anymore, no one should have a problem with it. I feel like the kid has lived a blessed life because he did something horrible uh, and he's been able to remain a football player. Now, it's killing his NFL chances with a lot of teams uh, and he might have to come back to school just because he has no other option or he might be you know, potentially such a low draft pick that it makes no sense for him to go into the NFL. But the kid, like, I got, I got into a fight with another guy in the media after his press conference because yeah. I said the first question was embarrassing to ask Joe Mixon why he di- why he decided to stay at Oklahoma. That's like I, I I didn't come up with a good analogy for this, but that's so backwards. It's like he is here to apologize and thank his lucky stars that he is able to still be here. Not the first question should not be, "Hey, why did you decide to stay after you ruined your own life?" Well, I watched this from afar on Twitter, and uh, you kept saying he was lobbing him softballs. And, you know, that, that word has stigma, I think. Softballs. Like you're just setting it up for him. Which maybe he was. Well, the know. guy, the media member did call and threaten to kick my ass when he sees me in New Orleans. So that's we still have that to play out. Did he do that? Uh, he's an overweight, bald guy, and I'm an, over, an overweight, young guy with hair. So If there is a fight, it won't last long. I'd like to see it. I mean, I have your back, obviously, if you need it. I don't think you I have. The, I have the backing of my rival's brethren. Absolutely. Uh, I can. <laughs> yeah, I'm big help myself. Certainly. It was it really did make me feel like a bastard. The fact that this was this was right. The eve of Christmas Eve that I'm doing this. I just can't help myself sometimes, Jay. Knowing you, I don't think you're a stranger to this kind of controversy. This is why I need the Bell helicopter flashlight so I can blind my opponents that come after me. so yeah we're heading out tomorrow Oklahoma I know landed today Uh, I've been on that tarmac before at the Sugar Bowl I don't need to be accosted by old men with musical instruments to know that I'm at the Sugar Bowl that that part I can live without and I know Bob came in and he got a lot of hey how great is it to be at the Sugar Bowl Bob and so there's really nothing that happens in that that air that you know that that airport press conference that I felt deserved you know an extra four hundred dollars in hotel fees to pay. Exactly how I saw it as well. And Gus isn't going to say anything, even if it was a great situation. But on the tarmac, or actually for them, it's in the hotel. He's just going to say, "We're just happy to be here. Going to be a big game. Buckle <laughs> up." That's all he's going to say. You got a you got a decent Gus on, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think up. everybody that that covers the beat has a D. Like I've done a Bob for a long time. And it's just second nature. It's just like you spend that much time around someone and at their press conferences, you just it's just second nature to be able to do an impersonation. I don't know enough about Bob to know what he sounds like anymore. It's been a long time. Doing a podcast in a good way. You know, I kinda like that thing. It's a real staccato kind of pacey. Okay. That kind of thing. So uh 
anything that you're you're really curious about Oklahoma that I can inform you on that can I that I can make you a more informed uh, Sugar Bowl correspondent this week? Uh, well, I'm trying to think. There was one kid that ended up coming down to Auburn and Oklahoma and recruiting. He's a safety from Jenks. I want to say Parker. Stephen Parker, yeah. Parker, is he any good? He's very good. He he got screwed, in my opinion. He was the only guy, like, when their defense just sucked at the beginning of the year, uh, they they lost Zach Sanchez. He left school early. He was what he was their best corner. Yeah. And so they they let this guy named Dakota Austin. And my God, you have no many times how, how you have no idea how many times I've referred to D- Dakota Austin as Dakota Johnson from Fifty Shades of Grey this year on every podcast we've done. I've done it. Eddie's done it. I think we've gotten Josh to do it before, too. But Dakota Austin started the season, and he filled in last year, did a really good job, had a couple of interceptions, and he was terrible. I mean, that Houston game, he got burned left and right. Uh, that cornerback position never really settled until they, they, they got this Jordan Parker kid, a true freshman from California that was healthy. He came in, and boom, instantly it stabilized their defense. But before all that happened, the only guy at all that was making plays in the secondary was Steven Parker. And he ended up being kind of their biggest stabilizing force. He moved down to nickel when Mike Soups finally realized that their nickel wasn't any good. And he he got honorable mention all Big 12. And I thought that was really, you know, not that this is a real crime. I mean, it's not like Sean Lee getting left out of the Pro Bowl for the Cowboys, which is stupid. But, I, you know, I he's, to me, their best, most consistent player on the defensive side of the ball. So he was a kind of a failed corner who ended up making it big at, at nickel? Yeah, and you know, I think we projected him as a safety. I mean, he was in Chicago at our five star and, you know, did really well. And I was even surprised at how, you know, he he stood up with the other guys that that were athletic at that um and, and was good in coverage. I thought he could play corner in a pinch, but if you put him out there for an entire season, you'll kind of see him get exposed at that position. Yep. Well, good. I liked him. He was very nice in recruiting. He's a and really good kid, too, yeah. Yeah. They liked him a lot. It's been a while, though. God, he's a senior now, right? Uh, junior. Coming back junior. for one more year. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Good stuff. And he was really... That was when Mike Stoops first came back to Oklahoma. Uh, by the way, you should DVR this game just to be able to watch the press box shots of Mike Stoops. <laughs> I'm sure you saw plenty of them in that tech game. Sure. And my favorite thing about like a Mike Stoops press box shot is I had this one meme I did one time and I just noticed that he had both Aquafina and Dasani sitting in front of him, water bottles. And he was like losing his mind and screaming. And so my meme title was Aquafina or Dasani. So I just, you got to see Mike Stoops losing his shit basically to think that's funny, I guess. I'd like to see it. Uh, so anyway. Boy, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for keeping me sober up to this point. It's not going to last. But Well, I got the same problem, my man. Ended up in Kentucky drinking a lot of bourbon these last few days, so I need to dry out a little bit ahead of this went, trip. Went oh. back to see the family. Is that where the dad resides now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's where it is. That's where it all goes down for me and my family. Well, good. So uh, when we're down in New Orleans, we'll definitely uh, find a way to imbibe a little bit, and uh, we'll find some fun things to do. There's always there's a liquor store right next to the hotel. I don't ask me how I know that, but I do know that. Right around the corner. Right. Uh, 
And I actually got, this is a true story, last time I was in New Orleans, I got free booze uh, uh, from, and the, the name's getting away from me, the big tall dude from Wedding Crashers. What's his name? Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn gave Vince you free Vaughn, booze. Absolutely, dude. Uh, I had a fifth up there uh, fixing to pay for it, and he walked in. I was like, hey, what's up, man? I wouldn't uh, like a douche to him or anything. I was just like, what's up? He's like, let me get that for you. I was like, sure. Wow. He's like, have a good time, man. He was out. He went to the House of Blues. I guess he was either, I don't know, doing whatever he does in the House of Blues. Now, do you have any, since you're in SEC country, do you have good food recommendations for any OU fans listening? No, I don't. Sorry, I've only been down there. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, again, six hours from my house. If we were in Atlanta, which is more like my home big town, I could be able to tell you that. But New Orleans, dude, I haven't been down there in about 10 years. So I'm just going to try to be foraging uh, thoughtfully as best I can. And will will Malzahn's press conferences bore me to tears? Yes. Oh, no, be big. I'm looking forward to our opportunity to play. <laughs> you know, it's really strange because, like, I've always – I know him from afar, and I knew about him when he was coaching over in – because if you're in Oklahoma, you had Jinx and Union, and they had the whole Springdale thing, and they had some crossover stuff, uh, and they played each other for a little bit. But you knew who Gus Malzahn was just when he was in high school, and I always thought, like – Man, this dude's like boring. He's he doesn't give anything when he does interviews, and then because I know Joe, George Schroeder from USA Today works with us at the radio station. I know George pretty well. He lives in Norman now, uh, but George just mm-hmm. thinks the world of him and talks. You know, it's like he just thinks he's the greatest guy. And I'm just like, man, I just don't. You know, okay, I guess he has a personality somewhere buried in there. He does. He's just I mean, Schroeder makes me laugh anyway, but. Uh, as far as Gus goes, he's just a nerd, dude. I mean, he's just a straight-up bookworm nerd. Like, I don't think that he had a lot of social skills at any point in his life, and he's just kind of nerdy, and I think he would rather just draw up X's and O's all day, all day, every day, and not talk to the media. Heck, maybe not talk to many players. Uh, he just, he's that guy. Um, he's not a bad you know what, guy. That's not, undi- that's not indifferent or, or much different from how kind of Bob Stoops was early in his career, though. Like, he was never great with the media when he started. When he when he won early it helped him because then he didn't he didn't have to be, you know, he didn't he didn't have to have any type of bedside manner at all with the media. Uh because he won a national championship. He could do anything he wanted. He could he could tell anybody, you know, anything he wanted to and they'd have to believe it. You couldn't question him. But as he's gotten older, he really has gotten a lot more personable. And and I think that goes with players too like I remember hearing stories about players uh, when they'd end up, you know, in a one-on-one situation with Bob, how awkward it would be because he'd just ask him very general questions like, how's your family doing? Doing good? Okay. And and now I think he's kind of softened as a human being a little bit. And he's just, he just, he seems to enjoy dealing with people when I wouldn't say that was true 15 years ago. So maybe Gus will do the same thing. Yeah, assuming he makes it 15 years. If he makes it, I don't know, I don't know if anybody could make it 15 years at Auburn. He was getting close to getting run earlier this year. That's right, with, he uh, was, wasn't he? Was if he had lost that LSU game at home, I'm not saying he would have been fired on the spot, but uh, I would have had my hot board ready. I will tell you this, Jay. Um, you know the head of security that does all the, he's the sweetest guy in the world. He and his wife uh, have have worked for sec- you know worked and and put together the security around practice like. They have their practices. Everything's closed off. They have security around the entire fence of the practice field, keeping people out or keep people stopping from peeking. Uh, but this guy is the biggest Auburn fan that I know. And I don't know really? if they – I don't know 
if they, it wouldn't shock me if they told him, okay, you can't be security for this bowl game. Because he like has the Auburn logo on his Jeep that he drives around on the back tire cover. Like he goes, I talk to him about it all the time. Like he, he always goes to Auburn bowl games. And they Until try, he lives in Norman or whatever? Yeah, he lives in Norman. He actually, I remember when Auburn played K-State, he was jacked up that whole week because he was going to get to go within driving distance to see Auburn play. Nice. So you might well, pass that I, on to Gus. He's, he listen, has a secret this, agent. If this was inversed and there was uh, some hanger-on that was really into OU, I can guarantee you Gus would kick him out. No doubt about <laughs> it. Well, no, I think Bob is just paranoid enough to not. No, he is definitely paranoid. I, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Jim is his name, I believe. If Jim uh, hasn't been working security at all during once it was announced, it was Auburn. Probably a good idea. It, because saying. you know, I mean, Bob has a history at the Sugar Bowl. There was they felt like they were being spied on before that LSU game in two thousand four. And I believe they they refused to work out at the Sugar Bowl in twenty fourteen when they played Alabama because of the same oh. thing. Peering eyes, yeah, yeah. Where's uh, Where's Oklahoma working uh, down there? Do you know? Well, I know they're not at the Saints facility, which is where they were last time, which is good. I think I guess Auburn will be out there. No, I think Auburn's at Tulane, right? I thought it was OU at Tulane. I'd have to. I'll have to double check. I'm not Maybe sure. they flip flop. Yeah. So. So you're saying the Saints thing is way out there? Is it like out in the it's, boonies? It's it's a it's a bit of a drive. Yeah, it's not fun to go out there all every day. Great. Looking but it does that. have a nice cafeteria they let you sit in, you know, oh. while you do that. And pretend like you can get some food where you can't. No, okay. it's torture, so I guess. <laughs> Jay, I look forward to seeing you in New Orleans, hanging out a little uh, bit when we when we get a chance to do such things. Yeah, let's do a collaborative show maybe at some point. Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be sleeping with Eddie in my hotel room. We have different beds. Thank God. I'll bring alcohol. I'll find something. Bring something over. There'll be a there'll be a bar in my room by the time the week's over. That's good to hear. I know I'll be over then. <laughs> All right. Uh JG Tate, publisher of AuburnSports.com. Uh appreciate him joining us to give you a little bit of preview of uh the Sugar Bowl coming up and and all week uh we're gonna be bringing you some special podcasts, maybe not this long, uh, but after practices, things like that. Uh, we'll get you guys updated on everything that's going on out there in New Orleans. So, Jay, man, great talking to you. Thanks for coming on and uh, talking to our boys about and our girls about the matchup. I appreciate it, guys. See ya.